This is the Doctor Who Podcast. And you are most welcome. Hello, and welcome to episode 317. It's the U.S. Contingent's non-rancid considered review of Revolution of the Daleks. Is everyone all right now? We had an accident. People got hurt. The issue's been dealt with. There'll be someone waiting at Depository 23. Long time since we opened that one. Whatever that is, is it safe? Just get it there quick as you can. Am I allowed to stop for a cuppa? No, only because it's you. How's your mum, by the way? Yeah, you know. Must be hard. Yeah. Let's get on the road. I am Drew, and with me today is Michelle. Hey! And Brent. Hello. So, let's just start with general impressions. Brent, what did you think about this episode? Well, I was looking forward to it. I'm, I'm not the greatest fan of Chibnall's writing, but I have to say I, I really liked it. And, of course, I had some problems, <laughs> but I thought overall it was pretty good. Jody did a great job, as always, um, and I thought that she felt more like the Doctor here than she ever has. And we got Captain Jack. We got Jack Robertson not being annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have to tell you, I was a little apprehensive about bringing him back because, in my opinion, Arachnids in the UK is probably the worst story of the 13th Doctor so far. And it was mostly because his character was so over the top. But I thought they toned him down quite a bit in this one. Um, it looked great. It sounded great. Loved the new Daleks. They looked awesome. And, <laughs> and the the prison break, I think, was my favorite part. It kind of fit with my impression of a lot of the Chris Chibnall era, which is, I, I did like it. The characters were good. The acting was good. I thought it looked good. I thought the story was okay. And yet somehow it didn't grip me. It, it didn't, you know, I wasn't completely enthralled or carried away by it. So, um, not any serious complaints, but not not one that I would probably revisit a whole lot or, or maybe remember very well in a year or two's time. But but so, you know, moderate to good. Well, like the both of you, I was definitely looking forward to it. Uh, this has been an interesting year. Uh, well, sorry, 2020 was an interesting year. And of course, even though we got an entire series of Doctor Who, I, I definitely missed it when it was off the air. And any Doctor Who is good Doctor Who, and I, I think overall I enjoyed the episode just fine. Uh, I agree with both of you. There were some really good bits, and I, and I agree with both of you that there were some parts that, I, that didn't, you know, it didn't take for me quite as well as it, you know, could have. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a story that I'm going to come back to on a regular basis, but I think it's definitely an episode worth talking about, mm. and uh, it's <laughs> Probably really lucky that the three of us are together to do just that now. Uh, I think 
would be kind of nice is just to start off and talk about things we liked. Brent, you said you really enjoyed the prison break. Um, you want to go into a little bit more detail about it? I, I didn't expect that to happen so early and so quickly. I thought that was sort of going to be drawn out. I didn't know how she was going to get out. I thought, I think a lot of people thought that Jack was going to help the fam. Mm-hmm. And the doctor would find her own way out. But I liked all the special effects. I like the humor was not over the top. It was it was funny, as Jack always is. And um, I enjoyed it, yeah. I just loved Jack and the doctor. and the, the When they got out, I'm jumping ahead. But when they got out and they went into the TARDIS with the lights out, and you could see all the blue roundels all lit up. That was uh, that was really cool. I actually think I, I think I found Jack to be a little bit more subdued than he we normally see him. Even even his appearance in uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon, he was a, a little bit more energetic. I think he didn't steal the show, and that's probably a good thing. Uh, in in this episode, Michelle, what do you think? Yeah, you know what? Same thing. I and Brent alluded to this earlier, but but both Jacks, I, I liked both Jacks, and just like Brent, I wasn't sure I wanted to see Jack Robertson again. But both of them, their characters were toned down. Um, to Jack Robertson, I think that was a really, really good choice. It made him easier to watch and, and a more enjoyable, uh, if somewhat despicable, story to follow. Uh, with Jack Harkness, I didn't mind him more toned down. It, it, it felt different. Um, I, I liked getting to see him work with Jodie Whittaker's doctor, and I, I did also. I thought the, the prison break was one of the strengths of the episode. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think both of those things are positive things. I, I like those. I also, I, I love it when Brent talks about the TARDIS because I am finding myself liking elements of this TARDIS design. It's not related specifically to the story, but I love the little hexagonal yellow platforms that are designed into this set so that when they sit down and have intimate conversations, they can be side by side or, or back when the master was towering over the doctor, even though he's really short. Um, I just, I just think (laughs) that particular element, which I don't, well, maybe some of Matt Smith's TARDISes were a little like that, but, um, it just provides some really great opportunity for drama to be staged in different ways. What else did I like? You know, Brent also ticked off some of the humor. I loved some of the quips, some of the one lines like, um, you know, I'm just running through my options. That didn't take long. Stuff like, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I, and there were there was a number of those in there. I liked, to a degree, the thing that led to Ryan's departure. I, I liked seeing him kind of work out for himself that there were things on Earth that needed doing, and that he felt like his role was going to be, you know, working for working for those things on Earth. And I think that that's a valid reason to depart. Um, I, I think there's some. Not everybody feels that way, from what I from what I've heard about those those scenes. But, and I didn't like everything about those scenes. We'll get to that. But but no, there were you know there was plenty of to like uh, as you watched through this episode. There is a lot to like. That becomes a little bit problematic because my overall feel is I liked the episode and I didn't love the episode. And if I look on my list of things that I I quite liked, um, when you look at a list that that's long but you didn't love the episode. You started wondering what it is that did make it match. But I want to go back to the prison break because there's a couple of things in it that I thought were quite interesting. Uh, The first off is the doctor's in that jail for a very long time. And I think it, it didn't, it wasn't as obvious that the doctor was there for Mm. decades. It it does, you know, you're putting those lines on there. Were those days? 
were those years, we know Jack was in there for at least 19 years, so the Doctor's in there for at least 20 years, right? Something along those lines. I, I didn't catch it uh, on first viewing, and so uh, I think it could have been a little bit more obvious because that sort of spending having to spend that much time alone with oneself, especially mm. this particular yeah. doctor yeah. who is so very human and so very chatty and so very much a part of a group dynamic mm-hmm. rather than she is a solo act. Um, the other thing, too, and I got to say probably my favorite part of this episode is the, the prison uniforms. I really like them. Mm. I thought they're very iconic, and every once in a while, even though I'm not much of a cosplayer, I think you don't get something that iconic in every single episode, and I know we're going to be seeing those red jumpsuits with the really cool long left side uh, list of offenses going down. I think we're going to see those at a lot of conventions when you know we have conventions again. Uh, as far as the Jacks are concerned, I mentioned that uh, you know Jack was subdued. I thought that was fine. I think... Jack coming in and stealing the show would have been a bad thing. So, you know, didn't love it, didn't hate it. It's fine. Jack Robertson, you know what? Really dug Jack Robertson in this one. And one of the things that I'm a little bummed about uh, this episode is I felt the idea of the Daleks being created and manufactured around the country is something that I would have liked to have seen early in the season that would have popped up throughout almost like the through line for this series uh because i think it's it's an interesting idea that is deserving of a little bit more time than this story actually gave it and and this um, from someone who doesn't typically like daleks that's really that's really a strong statement well and and it's true I, i'm definitely on record for not liking them but what i did like about it is and i like this with the um, resolution of the docs as well the scout daleks mm-hmm. they are new and they're different and even though the I, I still find them tedious because they're Daleks the way they go about infiltrating and taking over people's bodies I think that's new and different enough that it 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 piques my interest so if we have to have one Dalek story every single year I would prefer it to be these Daleks sadly <laughs> like so many things uh, that has been taken from me and that's you know what that's fine that's fine. Uh, I liked the resolution of Revolution of the Daleks as well, but we can talk about that in a little yeah. bit. I was going to say that um, that really does make a lot of sense, what you just said about possibly having that as a through line through Series 12 because this takes place, or it starts to take place, right after Resolution. So it took a year in their time mm. to come about. So mm-hmm. that would have been going on in the background throughout all of Series 12. It's interesting, though, you do mention all these things that we have said we like, and yet if we like so much about it, why don't we love it? I, what, what's going on here? Help me understand this. Mm, I think it's, it was not emotionally gripping to me. I, I, I know we don't do ratings <laughs> here, but if I did, I would give a lot of the Twelfth Doctor stories 7 mm. out of 10. I would give this one maybe a 7 out of 10. It's just, it's good, it's fine, but it's not something that I love, that I really want to go back and watch over and over. I had the opportunity to watch it again today, and I was like, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know why we like them but don't love them. 
I just didn't find the episode compelling. Um, and I and I think it piqued my interest in the first act. It it mildly kept my interest in the second act. And as soon as the doctor's plan to get rid of these Daleks came to fruition, it lost me completely. And part of that is because I don't like um, the yelly brass class. I don't want to say classic Daleks. Let's call them the RTD Daleks, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's sort mm-hmm. of who they are. Um, I, it, it feels same old, same old, right? Canary War for whatever the uh, the Doomsday episode, you know, Daleks flying around. I mean, I think it was done a little better than that, but there's two stories going on here, right? Mm. Like, and, well, technically, I guess there's, the first act is two stories, which is the do- the Doctor escaping and then the fam trying to deal with the fact that the Doctor has disappeared. And then we have uh, dealing with the Daleks and then saying goodbye to the fam. And I think we've sort of alluded to this with Brent that the fam side isn't maybe as compelling as we want it to be, and the Dalek side was interesting. And then I found the ending to to be meh a little bit. Um, right. Having all the Daleks chase the Doctor into a, a a conveniently spare TARDIS worked for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to get rid of something that is supposed to be that threatening, having to sacrifice a TARDIS, you know, possibly one of the few remaining TARDISes post. Uh, destruction of Gallifrey, that seems like a fair exchange. Yeah, you know that, but that brings up a point for me. Some of what was off had to do with the the emotional and the emotional tone and the energy level. Somehow the energy was down. You were kind of wading through this instead of riding along on 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 an exciting ride. Um, I, I wonder. This is probably just a quirky thing, but I know that when Chris Chibnall took over, that was when we also changed uh, composers. We lost Murray Gold. Uh, and I wonder whether, maybe maybe, maybe, the, maybe I'm putting too much into it, but I wonder whether some of the emotional tone that is so much influenced, although subtly so, by, by the score, uh, I wonder if that's some of what we're experiencing with, with just feeling like things aren't aren't moving us in the way that they used to. But aside from that, I thought some things were odd, like like the doctor was so, showed no reluctance to sacrifice a TARDIS. And yet we've been taught through the show that TARDISes are at least semi-sentient. And uh, I don't know if this one wasn't because it didn't have its own Time Lord that it was attuned to or what, but it just seemed really odd to so casually destroy a TARDIS, especially as you say, when it's probably one of the very last TARDISes around, where on the other hand, they invested so much emotional energy into the departure of Ryan uh, Ryan and Graham. And yet, while it's sad, it's always sad when that you stop seeing them week after week on the show, they weren't, they didn't die. They weren't going to end up in, in an alternate universe where the Doctor was never going to see him again. Yaz comes from that time period, so presumably they're going to stop in every so often it was just overblown for what it was. There, a lot of other companions have had a lot more dire, <laughs> dire departures than these guys did. I mean, they, it's not like they can never see each other again. Um, one other time that, that, that I'll list for that was, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Drew, the fact that the doctor had spent decades in more or less solitary confinement and clearly was emotionally damaged by that and and understandably so and yet when she walks out of the TARDIS and says you know hey here I am I've been in space jail 
nobody asks her what space jail is or what her experience was. They just, you know, push her. Yes, pushes her away and it gets all mopey about her being gone for 10 months, which I understand had an emotional impact on them. But nobody seemed to care what had happened to the doctor. Things just seemed off. Yeah, true. True. Yeah, I, I, I think that you have a good point with the music. And I think you have a good point with sort of the... I don't want to say it's tone deaf, but like kind of the emotional resonance of the story. And I think a lot of this has to do with the script. I think it has something to do with the music, and I think it has something to do with the editing, because we went from these really fantastic um, scenes that had potential for drama to an action sequence and then back so that we couldn't really ever sit down and really stick to one one feel. Yeah, the pace was all over the place. Yeah, we're we're going, going, and then all of a sudden hit the brakes, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite there was uneven. One, there's one scene I think it was the one where she and Ryan had their big heart to heart, and they're traveling, and she says it'll take us four minutes to get to Osaka or wherever it was. There, it'll take us four minutes to get there, and I literally in my head went, "Oh no, that means this is going to be a four minute conversation," which <laughs> <laughs> which in TV terms is really long. <laughs> yeah i agree yeah. with what you say about the uh the, the long goodbye for both characters because it seemed like they gave a really long one for ryan he gets ready to leave and graham's like yeah you know i think i'm gonna go too i need to look after him and a long one for him and it took forever yeah i think the um i think the main story in that the the whole dalek part did need a little bit more room to breathe and i think it would have been a better story had we had you know lost five minutes or so of the the goodbye and kind of added to flesh out that story uh, i think i would have liked this episode a little bit better what do you think of the very final scene on the bicycle i, I know there's uh i've heard varying opinions on that you know i didn't have a problem with the scene itself i thought it was really good like a full circle moment they go back and show like the very first time they showed ryan and possibly what he's learned over these last two years or whatever and he's still falling down which they've it seems like they've conveniently forgotten this past entire series about uh dyspraxia is that what it's called yep you got it man and uh but i you know it was fine um it was just that whole thing with grace just appearing out of nowhere and they see it i'm like what the hell is that and then like they could have easily just looked at each other and said something like i wish grace was here to see this that would have went mm -hmm. a lot better instead of having you know some star wars ghost appear <laughs> brent is right about everything tonight by the way <laughs> but, and, and I'll, I'll i'll let me just spin on that idea for a moment because i understand why grace is there but it really does signify what is wrong with this whole ending is that the relationships in this is are not the relationships between the characters, but the assumed relationships between the audience and the characters. Like, we are going to miss these characters so much. Whereas I've never felt that the fam, in particular, has had that great of a relationship with one another. Uh, it, it's, I find it very hard that someone like Ryan, who is an adult when his grandmother married Graham would have as strong of a relationship like a grandfather relationship with Graham we're told they have that relationship we're we're shown that Graham wants to have that relationship but it it never really sat well 
And I think Grace is possibly the coolest character introduced in Jodie Whittaker's run, with the exception of maybe the Joe Martin Doctor. Uh, and she's so casually thrown aside. But the fans really loved her. So I understand the need to kind of remind us again, as Brent said, the full circle aspect of it. But because I don't feel like I connected and believed the relationship that our that our fam had with one another, that this doesn't land with me. It feels like I'm being told to feel a certain way because of what I'm being shown rather than naturally mm. feeling that way. In some ways, Murray Gold's music did that. It used to kind of give us the cues that we needed, like, you're supposed to feel this way now and allow me to demonstrate by playing this particular note. Not the, Nothing against Murray Gold, but I know that is a, a complaint that some folks have, have pointed at him in, in, in that sense. So I just felt at that point in time, I, I was fine with the bicycle. I didn't like the Force Ghost. Um, the, the falling down bit, I think it's fine. Um, I, I think it could be forgiven. I, I don't take any kind of offense at it. <laughs> so. I do have one last thing, and I, I it feels like a, not a, so much of a nitpick, but I was interested in the potential storyline of the three refugees from the Timeless Children, so Ethan, Ravio, and Ashad, who came back with the, the fam at the end of mm. Timeless Children, because it seemed like they were hinted at a relationship between Graham and Ravio. You know, she's like, no, strange. No, I like that. You know, it's like, oh, you know, maybe that's how you, you move on. Someone who, who has gone through the same experiences you've experienced, really, like Graham could say, yeah, well, if Ryan's not going to do it, I won't do it. Plus, I have this person who I'm sort of... It wouldn't be nice just to have seen them even briefly. I don't have to focus on them, but I find the idea of people out out of time, I always find that interesting. Uh, and Doctor Who does it very well, uh, though I think if I'm complaining about all this weird stuff with the script, that extra element probably wouldn't have played very well. When that TARDIS was sent back, did they run out of it? Was that part of the scene when it got there? Did we actually see them leave that the house TARDIS? I think they step out and they go, well, this is the 21st century. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't need to see Ravio at her job at whatever department store they eventually find for her. Or, uh, you know, or, or a shot as a successful science fiction writer. Uh, it's like, well, you write what you know. You know, that kind of thing. We don't have to have that. But I, I think they probably could have shown Ravio just a little bit. But I guess also that's disgracing Grace's memory. Um, so... I think it's time for us to listen to some of our listeners, to listen back to the listeners who sent us some really good feedback uh, about this episode. Much appreciated. I will start with Carl David Austin. He says, the main problem of this story for me is its level of interconnectedness. It stops this episode from being an exciting standalone or a great jumping on point. When I compare it to how accessible the Christmas invasion and the Husbands of Riversong were, or even Remembrance, Revolution fails. I believe it fails by having too many touchstones that are central to a frankly dull plot with poor writing. Yes, the role of the special isn't only to be accessible, but to be so self-reflective is disappointing and overstates its own importances. Say less, show more, and go to places we haven't been before. That's kind of the argument of Doctor Who of all <laughs> time, isn't it? You either... It, 
go back and visit old monsters, do old things, you know, for the fans, or you do totally new things like Chibnall wanted to do in Series 11 and go to totally different places, totally different aliens. I didn't think this story was really wrapped up in the Series 12. I mean, it mentioned a bit of the Timeless Children thing, but I, I thought it was sort of uh, encapsulated in itself quite a bit, except for the, you know, where the Daleks came from the previous year. But um, I see what he's saying, though, because bringing back the Daleks from last year, bringing back Jack Robertson, mentioning the Timeless Children, mm-hmm. I see what he's saying. I think comparing it to Christmas specials past is is mm. a problem because it's not a Christmas special, right? No, they, it's it's a, it's a festive special. It's a New Year's special, and and they're creating something new. I hundred percent agree that say less, show more. Uh, <laughs> I think that is. I think if Chibnall has any fault, uh, and no, sorry, <clears throat> Chibnall has faults. Um, and I think of <laughs> of his faults, the biggest one is that he attempts to explain to the audience what is happening. He is. He is telling, not showing. And I, I think that's a real issue with his scripts in particular, and not something that I felt I saw when he was a writer on the regular series. But once he became a showrunner, I think that was a real issue uh, for me especially. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe some people like it, but I, I find it really distracting, and I feel like it kills the pacing of an episode. Actually, actually, listen to this from Ashley Freeze. I think... He kind of tags along with what you said. He says, everything everything that is wrong with Chibnall's writing was front and center, coupled with awful direction. Nothing that happened hadn't been previously set up. No mystery. The relationships were two-dimensional. The doctor was apologetic to Yaz for something that basically wasn't her fault. They relied on minor plot points of the last unmemorable Dalek episode to make this plot work. The only maybe interesting idea was whether the Daleks went into the void in this episode, ended up being the ones that appear in Doomsday. I really hope that that's not what <laughs> what occurs later. <laughs> that might be a little bit too timey wimey for me. Uh, yeah, although didn't didn't you? Wasn't it you that said that they looked like Russell T. Davis Daleks? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, they are Russell T. Davis, and they, they're a special—I don't remember what they said. I, I know you touched on it slightly, but uh, yeah, 100%, and I think the folks um, at the DWP, our, our UK contingent, uh, touched on this a little bit. Man, I, I did find it really irksome how angry everyone was at the Doctor and how the Doctor just kind of went, eh, sorry, yeah, and, you know, though I do like a good push. Uh, Mark Goodacre, hi Mark, uh, did enjoy, but surprised by y'all's take. Now, by y'all's, he's not talking about us unless Mark has a time machine. Uh, uh, knowing Mark, maybe, I don't know. I'd assume that you'd love the episode as much as I did. By the way, there is such a word as impure, James. Yeah, yeah, James. <laughs> thank you, pro- thank you, Professor Goodacre. <laughs> I was, I so wanted to rip apart my microphone or my, my headphones and tell james that when i was listening to that episode but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i have to go back to a little more catechism for james by the way we also received another piece of feedback that 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 is feedback to the last doctor who podcast episode so so I should mention this one as well this is from a shed of photos and uh shed says a very lazy really boring episode shame and then in parentheses not your superb podcast, the Doctor Who episode. 
(laughs) (laughs) What else we have? So there's Space Magic, who says, Number one, cloning Daleks. Excellent idea. Number two, Captain Jack. Excellent. Number three, proper Daleks kicking the crap out of defective ones. (laughs) Excellent. Number four, genetic memory. Derivative. Everything else, utter bullcrap. Ooh, actually, there was one other thing I liked. The idea of a modern prime minister inappropriately referencing Winston Churchill. I hope it was deliberate. I would assume it had to be deliberate. I would think. I don't. I didn't get the reference, but... I think it's a Boris Johnson reference, yeah, isn't it? Sort I, yeah, of, I believe of, it is. Uh, Johnson's... There are just a few short, short and sweet ones. Andy Wright says, The acting and sets were all great. The writing is just terrible. There's not a lot of love in these for Chris Chibnall's writing. Um, Although other things people are fond of. Uh, And then a couple other really quick ones. Uh, Chris Hobson says, appalling. And Andy Griffith says, best Jody episode, loved it. And if that isn't Doctor Who fandom in two opinions, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. And and that's the thing, too. I mean, I think the things that, you, you know, the three of us like or dislike, someone probably has the reverse opinion. And that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing is... You know, Doctor Who is a very accessible show. It's not always made for us, and that's cool. I know kids who are just absolutely digging this series, Jodie Whittaker in particular. I was having a chat with somebody recently, and I think it's safe to say that I have been enjoying every series of Doctor Who less and less, and it's less to do with the show running and the acting and everything, and more to the fact that when I became a podcaster and started forcing myself to watch it with a critical eye it takes me out of the experience of watching it that's a bit of a bummer i gotta say uh i it it bums me out a little bit to think that i'm not enjoying a show that i i clearly love in general but just just uh in spite of like how i'm how i'm watching it and and i don't know should i just give up podcasting altogether just no, so i can enjoy dr no. what do you think brent you ready to take this show solo <laughs> <laughs> no and then, you know, we've got one last piece of um, one last piece of feedback here. Alex Robinson says, episode great. John Bishop can tie a couple of Dalek shells onto his feet and jump in the TARDIS's swimming pool, though. So where are we going with this one? Yeah, your horoscope for the year ahead. Aries, surprises lie in store this year. The color blue will be important and the letter D. Your lucky number's 13. Be prepared for action. And whatever hurdles come your way, just remember, it's not the end of the world. Well, I have to say, uh, before yesterday, I had no idea who this guy was. In fact, I missed... um, I bought the episode the day after on Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime. I let it play all the way through. I don't think that um, announcement was at the end of my feed. So I had no idea anything about it until uh, James told us a few minutes later. Uh, but I, I looked this guy up. He's on uh, IMDb. I found the wrong <laughs> actor. Uh, so I had to try again and found out he was a stand-up comic. But right away when I saw the little one-minute trailer introduction I was surprised that they had hired another older actor again. I mean, he's not really old. He's, I guess he's mid-50s or whatever. But just after Bradley Walsh left, they have another older guy. But uh, I'll definitely give him a shot. He's part of the team. And um, 
to me, to be fair, comics are usually better dramatic actors because their timing mm-hmm. is so good. Because at the time, people underestimated John Pertwee, Catherine Tate, and now everybody loves them because, you know, they were comedic actors to start with, and everybody's like, oh, no, what are you doing? You can't hide a comedy actor, but they've turned out to be people's favorites. I'm always happy to give anybody a chance. Uh, the only thing I'm bummed, at least is that I would like to see at least one episode with Whitaker's Doctor and Yaz together. Just yeah, two women absolutely. in the TARDIS, just mm-hmm. just for something different. But yeah. I, we're not going to get it. I mean, I can't imagine that we would be allowed to get something like that. Maybe we'll get a first half adventure mm-hmm. uh, before he joins. But, I'm, you know, they know what they're doing. I've been, I've been happy with 99% of all the casting. So, I, you know. I'm not going to complain ahead of time. I might complain after. <laughs> we, re- we reserve the complaints for afterwards, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think they're both, uh, yeah. I, I, may, I think your point, Brett, about comic timing is, is really good. And I have certainly enjoyed all of the actors that people were worried about before they actually saw them in the show. So I, I think this will be just fine. However, one other piece of news that we can mention, although I don't think we'll go into it in depth, the other big, I guess it's a rumor because it hasn't been officially announced by the BBC, but it certainly seems to be a big rumor out there, is that this may be the last season or likely is the last season for Jodie Whittaker. Uh, any any quick thoughts here? I'm sure that James and, James and the others will uh, have... I, I think they'll have opinions. I can't imagine them having opinions, but I bet they'll have. <laughs> I bet they'll have opinions. I can't imagine them not having opinions. <laughs> uh, I think it's this is not a news story. I think a news story would have been Jodie Whittaker agrees to go for more than three mm, yeah. seasons. Mm. Um, every Doctor, for the most part, in the modern series and really even the classic series, was was three and done. So, uh, yep. you know, I was expecting, and that was a thing. It's like I really liked series two of Whitaker versus her first series. And I was kind of wishing, well, you know, knowing that the next year will probably be her final year. The idea of the 13th doctor having a 13th season is such a weird, um, thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has not been confirmed. Whitaker herself has not come out and said anything. No publishers have said it. This is something that showed up like what in the daily mirror. And then everyone kind of jumped on it. Um, I was assuming she was going to go three, uh, so I, I don't I don't see this being a story. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I, what I'd really love is to see some of these doctors get more than one showrunner. Um, and that'll probably never happen because showrunners yeah. outlast doctors. But I would love to have seen Peter Capaldi under a different showrunner. Uh, I would love to see Jodie Whittaker uh, with a different approach from a different showrunner. Um, but, I, you know, that's not something that we'll see. Yeah, and I, I don't really buy rumors until i see it right from the horse's mouth um not calling <laughs> jody whitaker a horse but <laughs> you know what i mean she, she'll um if she comes out and says you know what guys i think i'm leaving after this year then then i'll believe it but until then it's just a rumor yeah i'm fine either way um as as long as the show comes back i i, I think that whitaker wasn't particularly well served by circumstance because uh, I really, I do think I would have enjoyed her run a little bit more. Well, I think that we maybe have talked 
revolution of the Daleks uh, in circles. We have revolved and revolved and revolved, and uh, enough is enough already. However, uh, we are facing a number of months now without new Doctor Who, but here on the Doctor Who podcast, that is, that's not too much of a tragedy because we love, we love so much of what has come before. And so, dear listeners, uh, stay with us as we journey through the next months, weeks, dipping into elements of classic Who, new Who, big finish, you know, all the medias. Um, it'll be good to have you along. Please feel free to write in and share your feedback. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Facebook is becoming one of our favorite venues to uh, to receive feedback. So that, of course, is uh, at the Doctor Who podcast on Facebook. Twitter is also an option at the DR Who podcast. And uh, certainly you can always write to feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. Anything else you fellas have to add? Happy New Year. Uh, I hope uh, everyone is being safe out there. Um, you know, <laughs> do what the doctor would do. Be kind to one another. Yes, Absolutely. Thank you very much. What a sweet way to end, Drew. Bye-bye, listeners. Bye. See you next time. I did find it really irksome how angry everyone was at the doctor and how the doctor just kind of went, eh, sorry. Yeah. And you know, though I do like a good push. Um, what about you, Brent? Well, um, I totally was reading the comment and miss what you said. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 